Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. So the panel book was a great success. We're done now. We're, what are we, a couple of weeks away from the panel book finishing on Kickstarter? Mm-hmm. It was a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, yeah. I'll, I'll give a little, give a little statistic rundown. Uh, three thousand six hundred and twenty-three backers pledged one hundred and eighty-seven thousand one hundred and forty-nine dollars to help bring this project to life. It says on the Kickstarter page. So that's that's good then, I suppose. Yeah, Mike. Right. None of those were statistics. Those were just numbers. Well, what do you want from me? <laughs> uh, you're a professional talker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's great. Uh, I. Yeah, obviously we did not expect it to do this well at all. So it's a big surprise, and it's awesome. So th- is this your second most popular campaign, like the best f- finishing campaign? Mm-hmm. Yes, Th- money-wise. after the previous glyph, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah, it feels really good. And the, co- the cool thing is that we really can hit the ground running. So like even though we're only a couple weeks like out of, the, you know, out of the... Um, the campaign we're you know we've made all the decisions we've submitted everything and really we're just kind of waiting around for paper to come in and production's going to start um and so yeah it, it feels like it, there was a really clean like tr- pr- you know into production process like process uh, as we kind of predicted and it seems like it should be working out i mean that uh the we've been getting more and more kind of production samples and kind of all, we were working on ironing out all the details like last week and a half, and uh, yeah, it's good. It, it just is like more everything kind of confirmed, and um, yeah, it feels good. So obviously, this is significantly well. Okay, I'll say at this point, it seems like it's significantly less hassle than some of the other projects, right? Like that there is le- maybe less that you need to be super hands-on with. There's less areas that it could fail because you're not, like, reinventing the wheel. But and while on paper this seems like a good thing, right? Like, it's like, oh, great, like, this is so much easier. Is there any feeling in it where it's, like, y- you would maybe feel, like, I don't know, like, underwhelmed, like there isn't enough for you to focus on? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, that, that you're... <laughs> maybe not as involved with all of the minute details and does that like make you feel different about the campaign about the baking it it's kind of funny i don't know if you feel this way dan but it's (laughs) it feels like we've almost are we're we're like can be more picky about the details on this in a way so uh it's funny it almost feels like dan and i have a finite amount of fussing we can do and we will use up all the fussing we can so like for instance uh you know, yes, all, all the decisions are pretty easy and there's nothing like cr- really hard or like really unpredictable going on. But we also, for instance, like we decided to add a little like thermopressed Im- uh, DBoss logo on the back that's very small. And, you know, we, we print out like 20 or 30 versions of that and like, you know, thought about it. So we, it's like we can really, um, because the it's like pretty constrained in, in terms of like what we can do we can like really kind of fuss over the details in a major way um and so it still feels like we've done a quite a bit of like tightening up of screws um so i don't know i mean dan does it feel 
it doesn't feel that different than the glyph or something to me, re- really. It just doesn't feel scary, really, kind of. It's, like, more predictable or something. Yeah. Well, the scary thing to me is the... And we put this in the update, like, realizing the other day that the we're going to be printing 1.5 million pages of the dot grid uh, with the initial order of 15,000 notebooks. And so not wanting to screw anything up basically. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, I think because it's quote unquote easier, you know, like it's gone smoother and it's known production techniques and stuff Then yeah, our energy is kind of shifted from, you know, rolling a bullard up a hill to just like being anxious about uh, decisions and uh, at least me, you know, kind of second guessing them or at least being, you know, even more thorough about uh, the decisions and the details and such. But um, yeah, it, yeah, it's it, it, to your point, Mike, even though this is a, a, a different a manufacturing technique and one that is easier than you know injection molding and things like that uh it feels pretty it feels kind of the same as any other project we would do okay because there's still like a lot of things that you have to do there's still a lot of decisions that need to be made but Mm -hmm. maybe there's just like i don't know like i guess you still have to make these decisions with all projects but then you have to make more subsequent decisions as things maybe go awry a little bit in places where maybe you don't so much of this let me give you an example. So we had to pick the final size and ink color for the dot grid on the pages. And so, you know, the way it worked was we had to get a like offset screen made because that's the only real way to simulate like an offset press. And because the dots are really small, it's like the only real way that we can confidently evaluate them. And so we had we had one a set made worth of three different gray colors that you know to most people be like these grays look the same we're like no they're, they're, they're subtly different so we had that set made we liked one of them but it wasn't quite right so we had another plate made uh where there was three different options for like dot grid or dot size and then we had that uh done in three different ink colors that were even closer to each other than the initial ones so we had these like 12 options that were like all kind of similar but different and so it's that kind of thing where you know given enough time we will (laughs) really fuss over the stuff so you know we have these like sheets of like dots of just like different subtly different and we're like trying to pick the best one and we're like oh which one's right and so you know it's kind of like that where with the glyph it's we often can't do that um or it would be like very expensive or take forever or we have like bigger priorities but because uh, we don't have a lot of other big priorities or we're not worried about other stuff or it wasn't that expensive, we can, you know, we can do what, that. Like, I think if Dan and I had our druthers, we would we would have that level of scrutiny for, like, every detail, like, even on the glyph or whatever. But um, often it's just kind of, like, not practical. And so in this case, because most of the legwork was done, we can really, we can really fuss over that stuff. So um, that's, I guess, why it feels kind of similar because we're kind of using up all the air in the room like we're like i don't think dan and i would want to delay the project by like a week or two fussing over dot grids because you know what we picked is fine but because we have the time you know we can do it and so that's i guess why it feels similar uh, to me at least yeah because you still you still get to 
do the stuff that like it can be arguments of whether you should right like the idea yeah. <laughs> of like completely obsessing about the exact spacing and tone of gray like this is what you guys do like i think i've told this story on the show before but one of the ways that i was really kind of first introduced to the way that you both work was we were in portland at xoxo and we were meeting for breakfast there was like five of us and i arrive to see dan and tom huddled around a lamppost with a tote bag and they're looking through pantone swatches together of different colors of blue i can't remember <laughs> what project it was for at the time Neat ice kit, probably. Yeah, it was the neat ice kit. Yeah, because you were looking for what? What part would it have been? Maybe the mold. Uh, the silicone color, of the silicone um, uh, sleeve thing. The yeah, sleeve. I think, yeah, probably. And it was like they were just like standing there, like huddled around these Pantone swatches, just while we were waiting for five minutes in line to get <laughs> breakfast. And it was like, oh, okay, this is it's it's all consuming, is what it is. <laughs> Well, it's just, you know, I mean, yeah, it happens all the time. It's like, you know, now because we live close, like I drive, you know, I will like often make a prototype or a sample or get something shipped from the manufacturer. And then, you know, I look at it and I drive over to Dan's and we like huddle about it. And, you know, it's that's yeah, that's kind of what it is. And if we had our druthers, like we would have every Pantone ink printed on every kind of paper that exists available to us to look at. Like, that's what we want. Right. We, we want to walk into a room. And have every material on earth available to us with every finish and be like, oh, okay. Because the thing that always sucks is you, when you're designing something, you, you want to know all the options because you feel like you feel like there might be something right around the corner that's like really awesome. And you, and you just, just like it. don't know. You just missed it. And you don't want to like make this guess because it, you know it's a guess. And so for us, we're just kind of trying to like reduce the guessing as much as possible. So, you know, like for instance, the little logo we're putting on the back of the thing, we want it to be subtle. We want it to be nice. But there's this whole problem of the only way to actually see it, like, and evaluate it, really, is to get the dye made out of metal, like, milled out of metal, and then, like, pressed into a final cover. So there's no real way to do that until you actually do it. And so, you know, we had them send us samples on the actual material of a different dye, and we're, like, trying to triangulate, okay, like, should we change the stroke thickness on the logo so that when it's pressed in, it looks better than, you know, it's always this kind of, like, you're trying to triangulate and like guess. And so um, that's why we love when, when we can get like, you know, 10 options in front of us that are all really close to what we want. We feel like we're just doing less guessing because we, we can really, you know, we can make that decision, you know, r- really make it. And so that's what's really great. I mean, we said this before, but that's what's so great about like working in this kind of paper space is there's, there's way less guessing. Like I can get the actual paper that we're going to use uh like in front of me, like I can actually get it. It's not like we're making some paper and we're going to be guessing what it's like, right? We're like sending specifications out and then some manufacturer takes their best guess and it's going to be wrong and blah, blah, blah. So that's what's so great, but it kind of never ends. I mean, you know, we unfortunately do not get to see every kind of ink uh, that exists. And, you know, I think like if Dan and I had our druthers, we'd be like, "Mm, let's mix these two Pantone grays together because we want something that's just slightly darker, but that's like ridiculous. Right. So, you know, that's the, that's the whole jam. That's the whole thing. So you mentioned that you have embossed the panel book logo on the back. Mm -hmm. Is there any other changes or is, is this kind of the big, the big change? Well, we changed the dot size from point 
0.4 millimeters to 0.5 millimeters, uh, like the actual <laughs> diameter of the dot. We uh, just some minor tweaks to the layout of the title page. page. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all very right. The corner radius changed. Oh, yeah. a little bit. What made you want to do the embossing? Uh, two reasons. Well, maybe more, but the two main reasons are, uh, well, it's a, a, a way to subtly, uh, but kind of visually differentiate the front and back cover, which is something we weren't sure was really necessary. It was kind of on our list of nice to haves because this is a notebook where its primary use case is sitting on your desk and staying on your desk. Mm-hmm. The, um, kind of hassle of pulling it out of a bag and then not knowing which, which since the front and back cover are the same material and visually look the same, you kind of do this dance of, Oh, I got to flip it open and see which is actually the front. Um, so that was kind of on our list of nice to have where if there was a way to visually differentiate, that would be a good thing. And we priced it out and it it was a palatable price. So we decided to do it. And then the second reason is it just like it looks really nice. It's kind of like a classy uh, addition that makes it feel a little more, I don't know, kind of formalized and like a real product, I guess. I don't know. So I'm just going to say as a lefty, it makes me sad. I I enjoyed the complete <laughs> symmetry of the front and back cover. Yeah, because I didn't feel like my notebook was upside down. Yeah, so that was a uh, that was a argument against it that I did consider, but you can just uh, say that the logo is on the front cover. But it'll be upside down, it. though. But don't don't turn the up the notebook upside down. Just do it backwards, front to back. Like it doesn't make a difference besides that the green is in the back like it but it doesn't make a difference well okay yeah well i mean okay it does uh but i get how? your point well because how okay, does it make if a you, difference if you flip a notebook right like at least at least if i flip a notebook i don't open it back to front it goes upside down right so i flip it over and turn it upside down so i can still mm-hmm. kind of open the notebook as it's intended from right to left as opposed to opening but the you notebook can... from left to right. Mm. Mm. Like, and I, and I, I assume most left-handed people do that because we, you're not used to opening a book backwards, right? Mm-hmm. Again, look, this is not... I've just, I've just, I will also just say <laughs> this is not a problem because any, any notebook in the world that has this kind of binding, unless it is a left-handed notebook, this happens. So left-handed people... Totally used to that. I'm just saying that I will miss the complete symmetry. Do do most left-handed people do what you do and turn it upside down, or reverse it and go backwards? Because why would you? Like, no other book gets opened in the Western world that way, right? You don't open a book Mm. from the left and then open the page to the right. You open, yeah, but no, 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 no books are bound on that side either, which is what you're do what it. It turns into when you turn it upside down. Yep, but I I feel like it is a it makes more sense to me in my mind yeah. because every other book I have ever opened, you know, like if I'm reading a book mm-hmm. and I don't, I'm left handed, like I don't turn the book, I don't, you know, what I mean, I don't do it that way. So like I'm used to it opening that way. Again, mm-hmm. I don't know what most left handed people do. I just know what I do, and I represent left handed people on this show. So this is, this is this is as much as we have right now. I can't. Wow. I don't know enough, but I know that that's how I do it. But look again. I'm making this way more than it needs to be. It is not an issue. I'm just saying. 
I will miss the symmetry. You're super we, pissed, is what you're saying. We will yeah, make like you. This is it. I'm over. We'll make I'm you a here. special one that either like doesn't have a logo version. or the logo is upside down. You shouldn't do that because what about all the other lefties? You got to think about. You know, you got to think Let's about. Let's just make a left-handed version. It's not that hard. Don't do that either because you won't sell only. Like the, oh. <laughs> there just isn't going to be enough, right? Like it is a we are a minority, so it's it's but it's totally cool because it works just the same. And also, I would say I expect that not even every left-handed person will even do the upside down turning thing because it also depends on how you hold the pen. And just mm-hmm. with the way that I hold the pen, I am what is referred to as an overhooker. My entire <laughs> arm uh, kind of curls over the page, and mm. I write downwards. <laughs> It's, it's oh, very... You're a weird overhooker. Yeah. Is that something you learned as a way to prevent your hand from, like, smudging? Like, does your hand not then... No, it still smudges. Of... Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's my wrist will do the smudging, if not my hand. It's, ah, I see. You know, it just happens. It, I, I, this was just the way that I learned how to hold a pen. You know what I mean? Like, this is mm-hmm. this is just the way that I did it. Um mm-hmm. We are so in the weeds now, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I guess, isn't that what this show is though, right? Like, isn't this, you know, like the the minute details. convincing me to drop the logo. But I will say though, you know, I I am a huge fan of embossing and debossing, so I'm sure it's going to look beautiful. I just wanted you, I just wanted to speak for the, for the lefties, you know. Gotta stand up. My wife, Barack Obama, there's a lot of you out there. (laughs) Well, what does your wife think? Does she, does she have an opinion on how the panel book is used? Uh, she, I haven't asked her about the logo placement. I, <laughs> I guess she would not care. I hope that she's just like she just like storms out, like she just yeah. totally. She's like, what is this? Does she use the book the way that I do, like upside down, or does she use it differently? Um, I I don't even think she uses one. Oh <laughs> no! I haven't given her a prototype. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay, moving swiftly on. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is the current ship date time frame looking like? Um, well, it's kind of dependent on. Let's see. Probably famous last words. I think so. We're waiting on paper to come in. Uh, right now. Some of the paper is like kind of special order, so it takes a couple weeks. And then they said it would be like six weeks in total from probably a week or a week and a half ago. So, you know, you know, maybe mid-September. And so they're shipping directly from the printers. So that will help, uh, like the Kickstarter backers. So that will help a lot. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think... You know, and it will likely be a thing where it will kind of tri- they'll trickle out uh, some. So yeah, you know, maybe a month, maybe six weeks at the outset, but probably a month for international folks. It will be a little bit longer because those are gonna do a middle stop in the UK, um, I think. So, so that will take another you know week to ten days more, but not too bad. I mean, pretty quick turnaround, which is cool. I guess the, the stop in the UK probably helps with individuals' customs as well, right? Which is probably a good thing. Yeah, it helped because we end up paying the customs. Yeah, um, thank you. But yeah, but it's also <laughs> it's just way it's like cheap, way cheaper for us, and it's way more um, uh, consistent. You know, if they're shipping via Royal Air Mail from the UK, it, it's like way faster, way better than you know trying to ship 
you know, to Germany from here, it's like, you know, pretty expensive and it fails a lot of time and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I understand. you know, the, the Australia folks and Canadian folks still kind of have a hard time because those still ship from the U.S. and it's not great service and there's no tracking and all this stuff. But at least for all of like Europe, uh, it's quite a bit better. So how does it feel to... I mean, let's just assume that you that it's all okay and they start leaving the warehouse in the next four to five weeks, right? How does it feel to be able to have a project in people's hands this quick? This has got to be the fastest turnaround, right? Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, it should be. Yeah, I mean, the original glyph was crazy fast for some reason, uh, like inexplicably fast. Like yeah. it, the Kickstarter ended, I think, like November second or something. And we were shipping them like the tenth of December, you know, like six weeks how later or whatever. I still do don't. That? I still Same, don't. Yeah. I don't. I actually don't know how we did that. It doesn't well, it was make really any simple. Sense. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was a simple either. mold. Uh, but still, though. And, and, and then things like the. I think the simple syrup kit was a pretty fast turner, but probably not as fast not as this wound up being. Yeah, yeah. No, not this fast. So yeah, yeah, no, it should be quick. Uh, it feels good. I mean, it'll feel good. Um, we already, you know, it's funny. I think we, you know, we had had one Kickstarter update and people were really happy, pumped about it. And I think it's just because it feels like we were really making progress, you know, like we had a lot to say. So, yeah, if we could turn it around real quick, which we should be able to, um, be really good. I hope people will be good. Uh, they'll like it. And then hopefully, um, you know, they'll be like, oh, I really like this. I'll, you know, buy more or I'll subscribe to them or something. So... Yeah, so we're we're actually we're actually working right now for a way to what Tom just said, like subscribe to it, where it's basically just a and not not a subscription like Field Notes subscriptions where there's different editions and stuff. It basically it's like, hey, I I end up going through one of these every month. I want to just subscribe, hmm. you know, kind of like Amazon subscribe and save, where you can just automatically be sent one, you know, every so often. So I think that'll be good for some people. So you'll be doing that. Uh, in, in addition to or instead of packs like what what's the thinking uh it's in addition to so you can just do a one-time purchase of however many notebooks you want or you can subscribe to however many notebooks you want at whatever interval you want you know within certain limits interesting and this is going to be the first time you've had some any kind of subscription revenue, right? Like a mm-hmm. guaranteed is a wrong word to use, but like a you know you have you know Re- you recurring have this many in general. Companies. Recurring is yeah. a great way to to put it instead of instead of guarantee. But like recurring revenue is a is a good thing for a company to have, right? Like you know you have X amount of people that are going to charge every month or whatever. Mm-hmm. I assume that that's quite an interesting proposition. I mean, there's two new levels. There's a subscri- subscription thing, which you can, like, you know, look at your subscribers and be like, oh, like, you know, this will happen likely, right? But then there's the, uh, like, just, we've never had a product that is, gets used up before that's consumable. Yes. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. th- that there's two levels of awesomeness uh, in that. So, that yeah, we've been really pumped about that. And, um, you know, we're, we're being very, at this point at least, being very liberal with, like, you can cancel any time with the subscription, all that stuff. So... Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, you, you know, you got to do three months or something. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't who knows? I have no idea what that will be like, but it's at least it's cool that we have that op- the option of that. That is a possibility um, that it could do well. So we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. See, this this is really interesting, right? Because 
if you imagine like your customers, like Studio Neat customers, the only way that you've been able to get money from them is to make a brand new product line, right? That yeah. like mm-hmm. if someone buys a glyph, if you need to get more money out of that glyph customer, you make a brand new glyph which has to be better in every way. Yeah. With this it's like your customers will use the notebook, they will buy the same product again. Like that is yeah. a really, really different business to be in and could yeah. be really interesting for you guys, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and they want, and the, the incentives are like really awesomely aligned because like if we make a really good product, the, the more, be- the better it is, the more likely they'll like, you know, repeat buy it, obviously, right? And they probably don't want it to change. I mean, if they're like us, it's like, I just want this notebook to no, stay. Don't it's like t shirts. It. It's like, I want this to stay it. exactly <laughs> the same. Do not change it. And that's great for us. Like, we never feel like, Oh, we gotta like update something because of this or that. It's like no, like people actually want this to say, and so, um, so yeah. So that's I, that is that feels really good that like we can make all the decisions now, and then if people like it, they want it to stay the same. Like that's you know, no one wants their glyph to stay the same. They want the glyph to get better and respond to the new phones or whatever, right? So for us, that's you know, that's really nice. It's a load off. Yes, this is really interesting. I mean, you know, I can't help but feel when I sit here and look at the success that you've had and also the way that you guys are potentially thinking about structuring some elements of your business going forward. I have to ask the question I think I've asked for the last three episodes. Uh, is this going to be the one and only paper product from Studio Neat, do you think? Uh, unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we're, I mean, we're, are, we're already, uh, you know, brainstorming and prototyping, uh, other ideas and, uh, you know, not just, uh, other notebooks, but, you know, tangential project products as well. So, uh, I think it's, it's really, I mean, it's given us a real kind of boost in just like product ideas and kind of feeling good about the state of the company and stuff and kind of where we can go with it and, and like you said, having if we could have this this kind of bed of uh, of recurring revenue uh, that kind of keeps us afloat while we kind of do these other things, I, I mean, I think it can be really good. Well, like this is the again, it's, I feel like if there was a bingo game of this show, I would about <laughs> I would just about to be able to score another point on the bingo card. <laughs> this is the. The idea of Obi, right, was to enable you, Studio Neat, to move into a new product area that was separate from the ones that you were already in, i.e. products for Apple devices and cocktail-making equipment. This stationary, that is a new area, and that is a really broad area where there is some overlap with your existing customers, but you will definitely find new customers in there. Like that's what that project, like part of that project was for. And you've been able to find it with this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm excited about, well, the, one thing that feels really good is a couple of people have like told me that, you know, and they're friends. So, you know, who knows, but they've said, you know, this, it really does feel like a very studio neat product, like this pano book thing. And that mm-hmm. feels good because even, even though we like are doing a new different thing, it fe- it seems to like make sense to people, right? It's not I like think weird. That there, is, there is not a product that you guys could make that would feel that way for the, like, for the same reasons what we were talking about earlier 
about the idea of standing on the street corner waiting for breakfast looking at Pantone colors, right? Like that's why products feel the way that they feel that you make because you're never going to make something that you just kind of half-ass and just put out there. Like it's always going to yeah, be Yeah, but like if we made a thoroughly. car, it would be super weird. Or like if we made like a guitar or if we made like a Honestly, if we made a laser cat toy, like that is weird. The farther away we get from that, the more <laughs> weird it is to me. That but the we thing is, yeah, okay, it, it, yes, in hindsight, super strange, right? Like maybe one day we can go over that in a little bit more detail, but I, th- I think we still need a bit more time. Uh, but what I mean is that like even in that, though, you you're obviously only going to make products that make sense to you, but any product that you end up making will feel like a Studio Neat product because you wouldn't get to the point where you were going to make a stereo receiver or a guitar, right? Because it's just That's not a you thing. Think. Well, okay, well, you gave me those examples, Tom. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> to do with that. Uh, <laughs> and But, like, it's always, it's always going to have that feel, I think, because of the way that you make stuff. It is it is different to what you will mostly find out there because of the the, the amount of thought that goes into it all. I think that's yeah. why. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, anyway, it does feel part and parcel. You know, it feels... Like, it doesn't feel like the folks coming in... Like, it, to me, it felt this way with, like, the cocktail stuff some, where it's like, okay, new customer cocktail stuff, you know does the glyph even make sense to them, right? Um, whereas, you know, with the stationary stuff, um, it, it could more, but, you know, we have, like, you know, iPhone docks, and so it, it does feel, at least, that it's it's really nice to have, like, the, the uh, new customers that are maybe completely, completely 100% different. Um, yeah, that, that feels really awesome, being able to kind of introduce them to, like, you know, what we're doing. And the, to me, the thing that's so cool about this notebook is... Um, I, I, my guess is a lot of people bought it. Like, if, especially if they don't, they don't know anything about Studio Neat. They bought it because of you know the like aspect ratio or you know, some kind of conceit about it. And but the cool thing is when they get it and like have it in their hands, it's gonna feel so nice that they're gonna be like delighted by that. And I think for a lot yeah. of people, it'll kind of just be a, an, an extra thing. That's true. And so that's really cool. Like I, I feel like we'll be surprising people um, when they get it. So so that's really neat because we get to like surprise people instead of like disappoint them or something. <laughs> Provided that people like it. Yeah. Well, I think they will. Like if they if they buy into the idea, they're gonna because for me the paper and like everything about it physically is like nicer than what we could convey did like online. Yeah. So if they already bought into the idea, then there will be delighted by the materiality of it. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, this even comes down to the, the boxes, right? Those little boxes of all the pens and stuff on them that you made. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it was fun. We, we had been we had some ideas for like how to ship the notebooks um, bef- before the before the campaign. We had some vague ideas, but uh, with the quantity that we're ordering after the campaign, it made sense to do something that we could like do something really custom. So we ended up making two custom boxes: one for the three pack, one for the single pack. Um, that are kind of spe- they fold up and they protect the panel book really well like in the mail so nothing gets dinged up or anything because that's something we learned um in beta testing that sometimes things can get dinged up if they're not packaged right um so that was fun so we made that box and then 
we did a fun thing of um, hired a illustrator. Well, we found this illustrator on Dribble who had done some writing instrument illustrations, and we really liked them. And so we just we hired him to do more, like to do more, like a, like a set of I think twelve or eleven. Um, and I then we kind of use that artwork about this. Who chose yeah. <laughs> the pens? Uh, he was so he had a few designed already, mm-hmm. and then we were like, we want you to do four or five more, and we cho- we kind of Tom and I kind of chose them together, not with any. Uh, I kind of know where you're going with this, <laughs> you know, not, with any, not not with any preference towards, you know, favorites or anything, but more of just like visual variety, okay. I guess. It was more about kind of the visual of the pattern right. versus like, oh, these are our well, favorite pens or whatever. that's not exactly true. I mean, I, I guess I made the first pass of pulling pins and I definitely got the Stabilo, fine, like felt tip Stabilo because you and I both use that pin. Mm-hmm. I and I got the Tornado because I can see that one just, too. it's like, well, more because it just it just looked different. So that was really for me. Yeah. Like when I was yeah. kind of at least calling references for Dan to look at, it was just like what like a unique pins or like iconic kind of looking pins. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where we started. And then, yeah, so I pulled a bunch and then Dan like looked through them and we, you know, then talked about them. But so there was some there's some bias in there. It's a little bit of bias mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, because I can I can rec- I recognize quite a few of these designs, and there's some that I think I know. But like I can look at it and be like, these aren't just random pens. And that was why I, I was just wondering who picked them, because there are a few in here that are like undeniably something. Um, mm-hmm. So I wondered who was picking them. Interesting. Yeah. The fountain pen you recognize? Is it the Namisu? Uh, I don't think so. It's okay. some M word. Just- I'll try to find it. Just just looks like yeah. well, it's a company called the Nami- called Namisu, and they make pens called the Nexus and the Nova and the Ixion, and it looks just uh, like one of those. But yeah. it's not a um, it's not a hugely unique design. Yeah, well, it's fun. Yeah, so yeah, so that was fun. I we had I, I don't know that was fun, and in the boxes look uh, look really cool. Like, yeah, they look. It's a fantastic design. I I really yeah. like it. Like personally, I would like a poster of that. Right, like I think that yeah. that like that's all me. Right, you know. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, they're designed really well. Is that Fisher Space Pen in there as well? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And a Sharpie. I saw the Sharpie, and then there's a uh, there's a just a dip pen, just a standard dip pen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, so what? Uh, Tom kind of glossed over this, but I think it's worth uh, reiterating because I think it's so, it's something we've actually done several times, and I think it's a really good strategy. And I don't I don't know if people do this all the time if there's like a normal thing um when you need a design but you know we we needed a design for this packaging we knew vaguely uh what we wanted it to look like but we didn't you know when something is kind of a serious graphic design job a lot of times tom and i would rather kind of hire that out instead of doing it ourselves or doing it all ourselves and so one option is just hire a designer and uh and have you know give them the the uh instructions and then you pay them for their hours and that's it but one thing we've done for if we did for this and we've done for like some neat ice kit stuff uh and some highball stuff uh and a few other things is find visuals on the internet that we really like 
and then just hire that designer that made those visuals. So like the work is already done basically. So it's, it's a win-win because it's cheaper for us because we're not hiring a designer to create something from scratch. We're having them tweak something they've already made. And it's a win for them because it's just this money out of nowhere that they weren't expecting, you know, that they have to do very little work, uh, to do. So I think that's actually a really good tip for kind of, you know, people that kind of need design on the cheap is like, look for an existing design that's not being used for something else. Just like dribble is a good place for this, where people are just kind of throwing up things they're designing for fun and then just say, Hey, I will pay you to use that design. And it usually works out. Yeah, like we could have easily just like copied the style and even made our own like really easily, but it just like feels crappy to do that. So whenever we can, you know, we have like the budget and we can do it, it feels really good to just be like, hey, like we literally exactly want this. Like just like just give us this and like do a little bit more. Uh, It's like really it's nice for us because we're so opinionated that sometimes working with an illustrator designer like from scratch can take a super long time and like lots of revisions. But when it's just there and we like want that exact thing, it's like, it's awesome. Yeah. This, this guy responded to your email immediately and then made the, you know, five or six new pens that we wanted like, like within day. hours. Yeah. yeah. Like it was the quickest <laughs> turnaround awesome. ever. Yeah. I like that. That as a method, right. To, to rather than like maybe have one person that you go to every time it's, it's interesting to like, we find a thing and then we go and try and get that person to do that thing. And I guess it does keep things nice and fresh, right? Because this is a very different visual um, illustration design to other stuff that I've seen you do or like I've seen on oh, yeah. projects. Like it's more cartoony, Yeah, I think might be a way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, they're, we like them. We I don't know. We, it's, it's nice. They're like uh, abstract enough. But, you know, like you said, you can still tell, like you can still name the pins if you're like a pin person uh, are typically. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a Sharpie there. It's like obvious. It's like, oh, that's a Sharpie. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, it, it worked out well. His, his name, the designer is Alexander Savic, S-A-V-I-C. If anyone, he, he's really good at uh, like icons and stuff, like very good, actually. Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. If you want to find out more about this show, head to relay.fm/tc/29. Thanks so much for listening.